0: Hey, everyone. It's me, Raheel Ramson your new host for CityCast Houston. I've got a very special guest today, Charles Adams, a.k.a. Big Angry Law. You've probably heard him on the radio, seen him on TV, and you know he has an unfiltered perspective when it comes to the policies and politics that are impacting the city of Houston. So Charles is a former police officer, a former presiding municipal judge, and currently practices law. This allows him to bring a unique perspective to talk about everything that's happening in the city of Houston. So we break down his career and some legal stories that everyone's talking about. It's Wednesday, March 29th. I'm Raheel Ramzanali. And here's what Houston is talking about today. Charles, welcome into CityCast Houston, man. So excited to finally chat with you in a professional setting where everything is documented and people can hold this conversation against us. Are you excited?
1: I am so incredibly excited. I can hardly contain myself, sir. <laughs>
0: hey, so first and foremost, I I, I don't know this. H- how did you get the nickname Big Angry?
1: So my when I was a young twenty-one-year-old police officer, my last name is Adams, and I am very large. I am six foot eight. And there was a dispatcher, Brian Corbell, that would call me big ad. And then there was an incident with me. I got jumped by a couple of guys during a traffic stop and I got a bit angry and it was big fussy and big angry and some other stuff. And then it kind of died off and it seemed like a, a decent marketing idea for Instagram, which really, I I had no social media until oddly enough, I was sitting at a football game, not Roughnecks, the Texans, (laughs) the crappy football team here in town. With uh, Bun B, the rapper and his wife, and Queenie started making fun of me for not having an Instagram, so I looked to my wife and said, hey, can I have an Instagram? She said, I don't care what you do, just, you know, do whatever. And that is how it all kind of snowballed. That's so cool. So uh, some people might know that
0: you were actually a police officer. Then you got into law. Like, What happened from being a police officer to eventually pursuing law and serving in, in public positions as well? Like, How did that all happen?
1: I mean, I always intended to go to law school. When I was a kid, my mom was going to UT law when my parents got divorced and she never finished. And it was just always something that very early on I... Plan to do. Also, me and my grandmother would watch Perry Mason every summer, all summer long, and I just thought I'd be a criminal defense attorney when I grew up. And became a police officer very young, kind of by mistake. A buddy of mine, I think he's on patrol again. Him and I had gone to see a movie, and he said, "Hey, man, I am going to take this civil service exam. Would you take it with me?" And I said, "Okay." So we ended up going to take this civil service exam, and I got a perfect score, and they offered me a job a couple of days later, and I was like, "Okay." Sure. And that is the fabulous story of, how, and I love being a police officer. I work nights you know, I did my thesis at Harvard kind of on why the war on drugs is a horrible idea. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't one of those cops that liked to write tickets or arrest for drugs, mainly because I grew up in Austin, you know, using drugs. And I saw that as abject hypocrisy. Then really I would focus on real crime. And that's of course would be a wonderful thing for all police officers. If we would stop taxing people, regressively typically people of color and the poor with citations or searching people's cars because we think maybe we might find some drugs and we just focused on real crime but i finished undergrad as a police officer here in town i went to law school i have two law degrees i got my first one working night shift patrol here in town and then went to harvard i worked at the I was an attorney for the state, but not a prosecutor. I was a briefing attorney, which means I wrote appellate opinions for the Houston Court of Appeals for a panel of judges. And then I was a presiding judge for the city of South Houston for about nine years, which is the lowest level. I mean, there are lower level judges like my associate judges, but it is pretty low level cases. But you do get to participate in a bunch of trials, and you know it's pretty interesting. I enjoyed doing it. Would you enjoy the most of everything
0: that you've mentioned and now practicing law? What do you enjoy the most doing the media stuff as well? We'll get to that in a second. But what did you enjoy the most or currently enjoy the most?
1: I mean, I enjoyed the camaraderie of law enforcement. Again, the guys I worked with pretty much shared, not all of them, but most of them shared my sensibilities of let's focus on people that are doing real crime. And, you know, I worked in an area with a lot of actual crime that gave us something to focus on. But I mean, honestly, you work to make money, and while I enjoy the media, you know, I'm obviously on Fox 26 with Quinell, and I have an evening time uh, talk radio show here. I'll never get rich doing talk radio, because I think Republicans are repugnant, and I think Democrats are dumb, and that's not really a way to make it in talk radio. You're supposed to pick a team, and, you know, I am refuse, but... I mean, ultimately I enjoy making money. Like I like having nice stuff. I like being uh, you know, I didn't grow up with money. I grew up with a single mom, but you know, when my kid says I want to go to school in London and I say okay. Or, you know, my wife says I want this new car and I can just go buy it. I was driving to California to see one of my kids and I had a vehicle broke down. I just walked into a dealership. It was was an eight month old truck. And I just said, well, I'll just buy another one. Gave him the cash and left. And that is why you work. You should find jobs that pay you a good money and stuff that you're passionate about. I am passionate about criminal defense, and I make a lot of money doing other stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's the making of the money that's the best part of any work. Amen. Amen to
0: that. Amen to that. One. Hey, look, I like buying nice stuff, too. It's, it's yeah. a good feeling. You know, one thing you mentioned, you, you said the Democrats and Republicans, it seems like they both dislike you and they, you know you you're very open about your stance, and one of the things I admire about you from following you on social media and learning about you is that you are honest about your opinion you're not gonna hide uh behind other things that will placate to some people and it's so refreshing, but at the same time, I know you're your own man, you've got your own businesses, and you're not worried about being cancelled, but do you ever just get drained from the negative comments that you receive from both sides?
1: You know, actually, I like to argue. I I found Alison Cook, the reviewer for the Chronicle, to be both cloying in her writing style and to be an insufferable person. I just tell you, Ken Hoffman did a great article about her once, and I got an argument with her, and I would just argue with people. I'm an argumentative son of a bitch, and, uh, you know, I find myself, I'm tired of it, right? I'm tired, but I don't get worn down by it. Typically, the people that don't engage me, it's fun when you have both Republicans and Democrats just making assumptions, you know, I get called a Trumper all the time and I'm no fan of Trump. I get called a libtard all the time. And, and I think, you know, it's just a stupid reduction of, of progressivism. But I, the problem with our current media space is with the exception of some notable people like Bill Maher is that you absolutely have to pick a team or you're not going to make money in media so even though i'm typically i think the highest rated on my sh- on my station which is one of iHeart's talk stations i can't get syndicated if you, you can't go on a talk radio and talk about how stupid republicans are if you want to get a national syndication deal and i'm not going to get a big platform on the mainstream media because you can't go on there and talk about how idiotic the democrats are if you know you've got to kind of all or nothing like All cops are evil, or thin blue line, instead of having the more nuance, which is, hey, our policing paradigm is irrevocably broken, and we oppress people that shouldn't be part of our criminal justice system. But we also ignore victims to an incredible degree now in America, where we have a lot of crime with no consequence, and we need a solution that focuses on victim crime, even the lowest level thefts, all the way up to murder. And uh, conversely, if people want to use drugs, let them use drugs. If people aren't harming you, leave them the hell alone. And, And this whole thing's broken. But no one's incentivized to be honest about it, because if you're honest about it and you don't pick a team, You're not gonna make money. Fortunately, I make money elsewhere, so I don't care, and I don't care about being canceled, and that is a serious consequence right now. For like, I'll never. I almost had a Judge Judy show. Like I was way downstream with NBC Universal, and I had an agent who was Charlamagne the God's agent, and the truth is, uh, and I've heard several times, well, we're not just, we're really not looking for white male content. Well, that's awful, right? And that's this America where we're always picking one team to discriminate against. And you just have to accept, right? You're just going to live your life how you can, do what you can. And if you win, you win. If you lose, you lose. The question is, how much money do you need? But of course, as Joe Biden is driving the economy into a ditch, we're all going to be broke soon anyway, so...
0: So let me ask you about Quanell X. Uh that was a beautiful rant by the way. I think you you hit everything. That was that was a good big uh, big angry rant. I love it. There we go. Uh real quickly, Face Off on Fox is is I think it's one of the most talked about segments on Twitter. Everyone is constantly posting about it. You and Quanell X, are y'all friends off here?
1: Quanell's always professional. I enjoy him. People don't realize we were the pretty much the most popular segment. Uh, I'd started a couple of years back after Matt Patrick passed away, and they cycled through people, and they ended up with me. And all of a sudden, we went to five nights a week. It was great. And then Martin Luther King Day, I think 2019, the producer was off because of MLK Day, and the news director thought we were off, which we pre-record them. The live shows on Friday nights, we do those live, but typically they're pre-recorded. And Quanell said some crazy stuff, and it's not my job to say, "Hey, Quanell, that's crazy shit stuff. Don't say that." And it aired and the very next day I got a call from uh, the VP of Fox and they had fired Quinell just like two weeks after we got made five days a week and I dripped on them for years, right? Hey, why don't you give, cause I have that kind of bo- boring making the case segment, but I dripped on them for years to give him another shot. And, and you're aware of this, you know, they changed ratings in what March of last year to, Kind of universal downloads, clicks, views, which is really the problem, right? That's why people say crazy, dishonest stuff on the news and everywhere on the radio because they're trying to get those clicks and downloads. But it did allow them to give him another chance. You know, I don't know. I like working with him. And we genuinely disagree. Like earlier before this podcast, I I was at Fox and we discussed Sheila Jackson Lee running for mayor. And I think what a horrible, horrible idea for the city of Houston. And he, thought it was a great idea and we have a genuine argument but after it's over we're just talking about our kids or having a good time we don't follow each other on social media because i don't think we want to tear down that third wall of you know the myth of hatred but yeah. no, we like Quite a bit.
0: No, that's really cool to hear. All right, let's uh run through some big stories and uh legal stories. So, first of all, uh the TEA takeover of HISD uh before you deleted your Twitter. I thought Elon got you by the way, because this morning I was like, wait, I gotta find this tweet, it was so well written. I thought Elon got you, but it looks like you, you did
1: it yourself, which is No, cool. I just – my wife was like, why did you okay. do that? Because I, I found some tweet dozer or something. I said, oh, I'll yeah. just try this. I'll start. Okay. And I've killed my account before. Yeah. But most of my tweets that I like, I've reposted on Instagram, so they're still there. So they're still there. What are your thoughts on the takeover, going back to that? I mean, I think there are a lot of people that are very upset about it, and I think they're being upset. It's completely dishonest, right? This, the Houston Independent School District is, is doing a horrible job – keeping kids safe. Bullying is everywhere. It's disgusting, right? There are kids that are scared to go to school, and it's mostly poor kids of color, right? And it's doing a horrible job educating people. And so you have a lot of a lot of up-in-arms politicians. You know, Sheila Jackson Lee, who's now running for mayor, asking the feds to get involved, and a lot of people... The vilifying the Republicans and our, our county judge Lena Hidalgo has taken a very hard stand against it, right? And Lena Hidalgo, Colombian immigrant, this whole mythos of of Lena that has been built up in the city. But the truth is, at five years old, she moved to Buenos Aires, very wealthy family, and then moved to one of the wealthiest high school districts in Houston, out in Katy. They didn't move her in HISD. Because they knew it's not doing a good job and it's not keeping kids safe, right? And do I think TEA will fix the problem? No, I don't think TEA is going to fix the problem. Because really, if we want to fix this problem with schools, we need small schools. A high school shouldn't be more than 500 kids, right? We need safe schools. We need them to to be safer. Our schools should be safer than a courthouse. Why do we have two cops in every courtroom in Harris County protecting scumbag lawyers like me and judges and criminal defendants when... We don't have that presence for our precious children in schools. You know, heartbreaking. We just had another mass shooting in Nashville. Uh, we we need to. The focus needs to be on keeping HISD kids safe. The job of schools should be to prepare kids either for vocational training or give them vocational training or college so they can have successful lives. And HISD is doing a horrible job. And these politicians, they should. Care about the job that's being done and i'm not saying all that they're great teachers like there are wonderful teachers but when you're not given the resource and there's a lot, a lot of bad teachers that don't care too it's like cops there's great cops and there's horrible cops but when you don't have the resources and i mean and things have got to change you know i mean we also have overarching issues so i think it might be a good thing i think it'll probably just be a wash but i sure wish the politicians would stop lying about it yeah
0: i just like the fact that somebody's trying Right, And right. M- maybe more politicians, instead of the virtue signaling, as you mentioned, trying to get the headlines, the clicks, all that stuff, w- give us solutions. Because there is obviously struggles happening, everything you laid out. So it would be nice to see some solutions as well. All right, let's talk about this Marcus Silva lawsuit, because this is an interesting one that could really change um, the future in terms of other abortion-related lawsuits. So for those of you who don't know, Marcus Silva is – suing his ex-wife's three friends for helping her with uh, getting the abortion-inducing pill that she took that eventually terminated her pregnancy. And there's also uh, talks that they might be suing the manufacturer of that pill. Is this something that is going to change and like define future litigation when it comes to abortion-related cases, or is this just a headline lawsuit?
1: Well, it depends, right? There's a phrase you can't get blood from a stone, right? So suing three friends, unless one of them or all of them are very wealthy, is probably a waste of time. But if you can drag the manufacturer in, that's a whole different deal. And obviously, this Pandora box was opened up by the Supreme Court, the very conservative Supreme Court, overturning Roe v. Wade. And I had had a kid young, best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, But so, and personally, like religiously, I do personally see life beginning when it's created however i completely disagree with anyone imposing their religious beliefs on other people and telling women what they should do right and if we want if you want to encourage women to have babies that's what the republican party wants to do possibly consider making it more affordable for women to have babies and providing more resources and instead of having a a system for poverty you know an entitlement program that breaks homes right so we can have this huge bureaucracy that spends billions of dollars a year on bureaucrats to make sure that we have broken homes in America instead of saying, Hey, look, we're going to do this. You had a kid. I don't care if you're rich. I don't care if you're poor. Uh, We're going to do this to encourage you to have an intact home and participate in society. We're going to encourage you to keep the child, right? That would be the, the truly Christian Jesus centric thing to do, but that's not of course what we do. We have these stupid lawsuits that angry husbands are filing and, uh, you know, Clearly, he's bitter about something, right? Why is he suing the three friends? And at the end of the day, this woman made her decision that she didn't want to conceive a child with a husband that she was divorcing. And do, but do I think it's viable in Texas right now? Like, yes, I think it's viable. And I think it, it will further threaten women's access to health care. So I think this this lawsuit's horrible. I think Marcus is probably a horrible, bitter person that's mad and just trying to visit pain on the wife and the friends. But I do think under the the idiots that we have in Austin and the idiots we have on the Texas Supreme Court, most lawyers won't say that. I personally don't give a damn uh, that uh, it's probably pretty viable and it's it's scary for women. All right. Quickly, uh, Jerron Thomas, this story came out earlier
0: this week. He strangled his girlfriend to death after the couple allegedly agreed to erotic asphyxiation. And now uh, he is facing manslaughter charges. Any thoughts on this? What do you think happens, by the way?
1: So there are a couple of things to think about. One, he's only been charged with manslaughter. You know, great, much greater likelihood of getting a probation, And he can't spend life in prison on manslaughter. It's capped at 20 years. So he's looking at a less of a consequence if he actually did do it maliciously. It was pretty smart on his part. And it gives his attorney something to work with. Now, I do. If you choke a woman to death, even if she's consented to the choking probably guilty of manslaughter right but if he straight up murdered her what a great story right uh, by great i mean great for him as the defendant not great for society because what a monster if he did either way it's monstrous right uh but you know i had a client once that shot his neighbor and claimed to the police that he did it in his sleep right and told me that story and people think the attorney client privilege is this great shield it's not like you can't knowingly allow a client to lie on the stand right that's suborning perjury right but if your client tells you a story and they stick with it well you can present it all day so i argued for two and a half weeks that my guy would sleep shot right did i believe it no right i thought the very suggestion was absurd But I argued for two and a half weeks. Did I get a not guilty? Yes. Right? So, I mean, you know, I don't know if he just killed her or if he was just being way too aggressive with sex, which, of course, I don't get that either. Like, what? how does choking, like, I I get for men, apparently, it helps the release of the organ. But if you're choking a woman, what, are you just torturing her? What's wrong with you? But if it keeps him out of prison, then it was good for him and bad for society. Charles, thank you so much for
0: joining some time with us, man. I I hope you're back here. We'd love to also get you on for some Clouston talk and uh, give some love for that podcast, man. We appreciate it.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun, sir.
0: That was Charles Adams. You can watch him on Fox 26, listen to his radio show on KPRC 950 or follow him on Instagram at Big Angry Law if he hasn't deleted it by now. Okay, before we go, illegal street racing has been crazy here in the city of Houston and cops have been asking street racers to go to legal racing tracks instead of putting people at danger by racing on highways and crowded freeways. So I was reading how HPD is now leading by example. They're joining Randy Seals on the track. Now who's Randy? Well, Randy's a guy who was arrested for illegal street racing. And then when he got out, he invited HPD officers to join him on the track. That is really cool. And guess what? The HPD officers accepted the challenge. They even decked out their cars to fit in with all the other racers. Now, if I was Randy, I would probably let the HPD officers win every single race. Do you want more CityCast Houston? Well, follow us on Instagram, at CityCast Houston. We recap previous episodes, preview upcoming episodes, and you can interact with us. That will do it for today. I'm Raheel Ramsnali. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something new today. Charles, you coming to the Roughnecks game this weekend? It's a Sunday, Sunday, two PM start. They moved it from Saturday. I'm like, oh, there goes my Sunday.
1: Yeah, Sunday's a pretty nice game for football, though. Yeah.